We're going to pick up where we were last week in Matthew chapter number 18. And uh, we started by... We started by reminding ourselves that we were studying about the book of Matthew. We said that Matthew is the kingdom gospel, uh, that Jesus is represented as the king, uh, that he is preaching the message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now we are getting into, in chapters 18, 19, and 20, where Jesus is instructing his disciples, teaching them, giving them an example of how to Remember, your Christian life is not to be left, uh, lived alone, certainly without the Lord's help and without His power, but without those around you, your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's to be lived in community. And uh, in order to do that, because living in community means living with other people, and people are will always be people. That was deep. Uh, and most of the time, people will be difficult. And so we need to learn how to live with people when they're difficult. That's really what Jesus is trying to talk about today. And uh, we looked at the story of the disciples and the, the argument, the discussion they had, if you will, of who is the greatest. And again, we said that this was going to come up because they were men, and so they were going to compete about something. And so they, they discussed who is greatest among them. And Jesus did probably one of the most humili- humiliating things that he could have done to a bunch of grown men who had considered themselves to be the greatest. He brought a little child in the midst and he said, Guys, be like this kid. I mean, we've got, remember, we said we've got Peter in this group. Peter walked on water. He's a walk-on-water guy. Uh, Matthew gave up everything to follow Jesus. Andrew, the first to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, I want you to be like this little child. Remember, we said that's not childish. It's childlike. And the essence of being childlike is humility. And that was what Jesus was trying to get across here. And Jesus begins his instruction in chapter 18 by redefining greatness as humility. And uh, we said this, that greatness in God's kingdom, let's get it to where you can see it, uh, greatness in God's kingdom is not measured by how high you are, but by how humble you are. It's not measured by how high you are, but by how humble you are. It's not measured by what you think you can achieve, by, but by knowing that you'll never achieve it on your own. It's not measured by what you have to offer, but by realizing that you have nothing by yourself to truly offer. Everything is because of Jesus. And we said that uh, he will speak on this subject several times throughout his ministry. In Matthew 23, in verse number 11 and 12, he said, "...he that is greatest among you shall be your servant." And whosoever shall exalt himself, that's to put on a pedestal, that's to lift up, that's to be high. Uh, Whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. That's brought to the bottom, you know, base, basement, the bottom. Uh, Jesus said when we try to exalt ourselves, what does the Bible say in Proverbs? Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Those of us that try to exalt ourselves, to put ourselves on a pedestal, We're going to be opposed by God, as 1 Peter says, and we're going to be brought low. But whosoever, uh, he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. We said that word humble means uh, humility, which is where we get humiliation. And Jesus says, for those of us who want to be great, then we need to be engaged in self-humiliation. We need to be engaged in self-humiliation. Humiliation. Uh, we need to purposely, listen, we need to purposely put ourselves on the bottom. 
We need to purposely put ourselves on the bottom. Now, not like the Pharisees, because the Pharisees tried to do that. They tried to put themselves on the bottom. They tried to make it look like they were humble. You know, when Jesus talked about fasting, they would put ashes on their face and they would make it look like they were having a terrible, terrible time. And they were such a good Christian because they were sacrificing so much. Jesus said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to purposely put yourself on the bottom so that you can lift others up. That's what humbling, humility is. <clears throat> humility is not focusing on yourself less. It's not focusing on yourself at all. Humility is not focusing on yourself less because at that point, we're still focused on ourselves. It's not focusing on yourself at all. Why? Because it's focused on others. When you focus on others, you can't be focused on yourself. Uh, and that's the example that Jesus gives us. When we read Philippians 2, and we won't read it again, uh, we said that as Peter taught this idea of humility, uh, that he said submission is the uniform of a believer in community. It's, he said, be clothed in humility. Put it on. It's not natural. You, you, you have to put it on. It's something that you have to choose to put on humility, submission. And uh, then we said those who live from a place of humility know that it all depends on God. Those are the people, those are the people that aren't anxious. Those are the people that, that aren't worried. Why? Because they, they know it doesn't depend on them. They know it all depends on God. Uh, and then we, we looked at the story in Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14, the story of the shepherd who goes after one sheep, leaves the 99, goes after one sheep. And we said the humility is the shepherd being focused on one sheep. And that's the example of Jesus. He was humble to go after one, to go after you. One. One sheep. And I think sometimes we said last week that uh, we can miss helping one. We can miss reaching one. We can miss caring for or encouraging or, or, or trying to help one because we can't do it for everyone. We use that as an excuse. Well, I heard a great quote this week. It was, do unto one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do unto one what you wish you could do for everyone. You may not be able to help everybody. You may not be able to encourage everybody. You may not be able to share the gospel with everybody, but you can do it for one. You can do it for one. Um, and there may not be, again, there may not be as much recognition. There may not be as much accolades. There may not be as much promotion with only one as compared to a crowd, as compared to 99. But the one is still important. And that's, again, the example that Jesus gave. And so uh, let's get into some new stuff to, uh, today. Look at Matthew 18 and look at verse number 15. Because Jesus continues his teaching of humility. He's given us his example the example, he sets the stage with the child that humility is the definition of greatness. And he continues, he takes it a step further. Now, now, a little hard to hear. Matthew 18, look at verse number 15. The Bible says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more than in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be, uh, may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that ye shall ask, 
It shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, there am I in the midst of them. Let me make a statement, and then we'll talk about this. Humility is committed to restoring relationships, not with just being right. Humility is committed to restoring relationships, not with just being right. Now, let's talk about this. In our social media-driven culture, in our media-driven culture, forget take social media out of it, even before that existed, there is a priority to be right. There's a priority to be right. You, 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 you have to be right. And whether or not you are right, you have to try to convince everybody else that you are right. There's a priority of being right. And most of the time, that is at any cost. There's a priority to being right. I mean, you, you, you're on social media, okay, and you see opinions, and you see, uh, uh, you know, people that, that are trying to promote different things and ideas, and whether it's political or, or, or social or cultural or even athletic, you know, sports opinions, everybody's got an opinion and everybody thinks that they're right and everybody tries to convince everybody else that they're right. Um, you know, we, we argue a point. Whether or not we, we may know that we're wrong, right, AJ? Uh, we may know that we're wrong, but we will argue a point because we think we're right or we want someone else to think that we're right. We make decisions when, even when it might offend someone. We do it purposefully sometimes because we think we're right. Uh, we, we have to get the last word in in an in a face-to-face -face conversation or in the text conversation or commenting on a social media post, we have to get the last word in. Why? Because we think we're right. Uh, we refuse to give forgiveness or even consider a solution for a problem because we think we're right. And that's a priority, being right. And, and, and I'll say this as we, as we talk about this. There's nothing wrong with being right. There's nothing wrong with being right. If you're right about a certain point, especially if it has to do with Scripture, stand on that. Don't, don't give that up. Uh, I mean, if it's a preference, sure, whatever. There's nothing wrong with being right, though. Okay? Uh, and, and a lot of times, as we look at situations where someone has a disagreement with us, we are right. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, think about this. The person that is giving these instructions... Verse number 18, excuse me, verse number 15 through verse number 20 in my Bible is read. That means Jesus is saying this. Let me ask you, uh, ask you something. Was Jesus right? Yes. Jesus was always right. Jesus was never wrong. Jesus was always right. Of humility. Jesus was the epitome of humility. He was always right, and yet Jesus was willing to humble himself. Jesus Listen, you and I were completely wrong. Jesus was right, and you and I were completely wrong. We were not just neutral against God and not following him. We were completely opposed to him. We were his enemy. We were the one arguing against Jesus on the social media post. We were the one shouting in his face as he was preaching on the street. We were the one mocking him at his cross. We were wrong. 
And Jesus was right. And yet Jesus was willing to humble himself in order to what? Restore us and make us right. Jesus was willing to humble himself. Uh, Jesus was willing to restore us. The, Jesus was, God was right. Listen, when you read about, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, there's none righteous, no, not one. And you read about the penalty and the, the wages of sin is death. That is the rightness of God. God is right. He is just to punish sin and those who commit sin in a place called hell for all eternity. God is right in doing that. That is, that is right for God to do. The rightness of God was to send mankind to hell because of sin. But listen, the humility of Jesus was to say, I know that's right, but I'm going to humble myself and restore mankind. I'm going to humble myself to death, as Philippians 2 said, and restore mankind back to God. Uh, listen, being right doesn't restore. Being humble does. Being right doesn't restore. Being humble does. Hum and, and, you know, you think about, as Jesus is talking here, okay, we're talking about humility, and we're talking about dealing with conflict. You think it is natural in our minds to think that when we're, when we're dealing with those parts of an equation, that the, the, the instruction that Jesus would, would give would be, if you have wronged someone, go say you're sorry. Because that's humbling. You're in the wrong. If you've done something, if you've messed up, uh, there's only two married couples in here. But if you're in a relationship uh, and you have to go to someone and say, I'm sorry, that is, that is very humbling. I'm not going to say anymore. Uh, that's very humbling. But notice, that's not what Jesus addresses here. Jesus is not talking about humility and then says, if you've wronged somebody, go say you're sorry. No, 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 no. Because we would expect that. That makes sense to us. If you're in the wrong, go fix it. But that's not what Jesus talks about here. Jesus says, if someone has wronged you, go to that person. That's humbling. That's humbling. Uh, it's humbling to go to someone who has wronged you to try to restore that relationship. Why? Because that should be their job. In our minds, it makes sense for the person doing the wronging to go ask for forgiveness. It makes sense. But it's not what Jesus said. He says, I want you to humble yourself and go to the one who has wronged you. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He went to you and I. We had wronged him. And he said, I forgive you. I offer forgiveness. It's humbling to go to someone... And, and we do it. Jesus is saying you should do it because you want to make things right. And that's why we do it. But it's still humbling to do that because they should be the ones that want to make things right. They should be the one that wants to restore the relationship with us. But Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about here. I want you to humble yourself and I want you to go to the one who has wronged you and look back at verse number eight, uh, 15. It says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Oh, we could spend all day just talking about that. You deal with it with the person who has wronged you. You don't tell your mom and your dad and your sister and your brother and your best friend and your cousin and the person at work who really doesn't care. Uh, you go to that person who has wronged you alone 
If he shall hear thee, and that's an if, because they won't always, but look what it says at the end there. That's the goal. That's the goal. Thou hast gained thy brother. See, most of us, we look at verse number 17. What is verse number 17 at the end of it? He says, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. That's where we start. He's like, ah, he's a heathen man and a publican. Who cares? We write him off. But Jesus said, no, we start with, we want to restore the relationship. We start with, we want to humble ourselves so that we can gain a brother. See, here's the problem. Too often, too often, we just assume. Too often, someone wrongs us, and we just assume. And we all know what happens when we assume. If you don't know, ask AJ. Uh, we all know what happens when we assume. Too often, we assume the worst with someone. We assume that they had bad intentions. You know, and it could, be, it could be that they just didn't talk to us at church. It could be that they stole our parking spot at church. It could be that, you know, they, they didn't reply to my text. They didn't like my post. My wife does that to me all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we assume the worst. We assume that they have bad intentions. We, we assume that it's someone who's out to get us. We assume uh, that they think bad of us, that everything that they say, they're always talking about us, and that every time we see them, oh, man, they must be just thinking terrible things about me right now. And the truth is, they don't even, they don't even know who you are. Uh, we assume these things. And, and you know what? There may be some times when it's true. It may be true. It may be true. Someone may just hate your guts. Uh, sorry. Uh, people hated Jesus' guts too. Uh, they, it may be true. But you know what? On the other hand, guess what? It may not be true at all. Maybe true, may not be true, but we will never know because we never humble ourselves and go to that person to try to restore the relationship. We never know. And you know what the travesty is then? We never gain a brother or sister. We never gain a brother. We never gain a sister. We never restore that relationship. We never know for sure. And so, and, and think about this with me. So we are the ones who hold on to bitterness. We are the ones that hold on to hurt. We are the ones that hold on to suspicion and hard feelings and negative feelings. How is that any way to live? Jesus said, humble yourself. And the one who has been wronged. Not the one who has wronged. The one who has been wronged has all the power. Think about that. If you've been wronged, you have all the power because you have power to hold on to bitterness. You have power to hold on to negative thoughts that are only going to hurt you, by the way. You have the power to hold on to that or you have the power to forgive. You have all the power. Jesus is talking about kingdom community. He's talking about living together. And because we will live together and because we are people and because people are people and people are imperfect, we will wrong each other. And so Jesus says when that happens, not if, when, restore that relationship. Be humble, restore that relationship. Why? Because the goal 
is unity. The goal is restoration. It's the one accord of the church in the book of Acts. Look at verse number 19. It says, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You know, do you think it's any accident that Jesus follows up talking about restoring relationships, giving what the blessings of being together with other people like you are? That, that when you pray, your prayers will be answered. That where you are, I'm going to be in the midst. And Jesus is not talking about being in the midst to break up fights. Jesus said, I'm going to be in the midst to be with you. In the middle. In between. Jesus said, I want to be there with you. Uh, what does the Bible say in, in, in Psalm 133? I love this verse, this chapter. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It's good. It's pleasant. It's what God wants. Forgiveness. Restoration. That's the goal. Look at one, one more part of this story. and We're going to run out of time. Look at Matthew chapter number 18. Because Jesus talks about Humility. He gives the instructions to the disciples. He teaches about the goal to be restoring relationships. Humbling ourselves to restore relationships. And then Peter comes to him. I think this is so funny. Look at verse number 21. It says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? I know Peter was probably just using the word brother in, in general terms. You know, my brother, you know, those brothers in faith. But his brother was one of the disciples, you know. How many, Jesus, how many times does Andrew have to mess up before I don't have to forgive him anymore? Look what Jesus says. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. That is a lot of money. A lot of money. Huge sum of money. Huge sum. Huge. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant, look at this, notice this. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. All right, time out. So we got a guy. He's a servant. Okay? He owes an incredible, an insane amount of money to his Lord, to his master. And it's time to pay and he ain't paid and he can't pay and he comes to the, the, the it, it's going to be time. He's going to be sold to pay the debt. His family's going to be sold to pay the debt. He's going to have to work it off. It's going to be terrible, hard slave labor. It's going to be awful. And he comes to his master and he gets down and he begs his master and he says, oh, please. And he worships before him. And the Lord, the master, has mercy, has compassion, forgives everything. Forgives everything. It'll never show up on this guy's record again. He'll never have to be asked about it again. He'll never have to pay a single penny of what he owes. He can go away completely free. Let's resume the story. Look at verse number 28. 
But the same servant, guy that just got forgiven, same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. Now, in comparison, this is a tiny, tiny, tiny. This is owing someone five bucks as compared to $10 million. Tiny little bit of money. Insignificant amount of money, really. This is lunch money. Owed him 100 pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me that thou owest. Oh, but look what happens in verse 29. We've seen this before. Look at verse 29. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet. Same thing. And besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. That's the same thing that we just saw from the first guy. Same exact action takes place. Falling down, asking for forgiveness, begging for mercy. Look what happens. And his fellow servant fell down, uh, verse 30, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Uh, let me ask you, if you're in prison, are you paying any debts? I don't think so. Um, for five bucks, basically. He said, you know what? Get out of here for five bucks. Throw him in prison. Verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after they had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Oh, man. Listen. Humility is forgiveness without reserved. Why? Because that's what we've received ourselves. Humility is forgiveness without reserve because that's what we've received ourselves. It's offering forgiveness because that's, what does the Bible say in Ephesians 4.30? And that's the wrong verse. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians 4, I think it's 32. Let me turn there. Ephesians 4 and verse number 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, we read this story, the two guys, same thing takes place. They both owe a debt. They both beg for compassion over the one that has the power to forgive. But only one receives forgiveness. And how quickly we forget when we have the opportunity to offer forgiveness to someone else, whether they ask for it or not, how quickly we forget where we've come from. How for quickly we forget uh, where we were and what we are. That we are a saint of God, yes, but we are a sinner saved by grace. And that we have been forgiven that great debt. That we have been the one that has been forgiven that insurmountable debt that we could never pay. 
Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. And so when someone messes up, when someone wrongs us, when someone makes a mistake, even if it's intentional, even if it's intentional, that pales in comparison. That's five bucks compared to the $10 million worth of debt that we had against God when we, when we were His enemy, when we were opposed to Him. You know, when someone does that to us, our first response is to write them off. Most of the time. Our first response is, well, fine, whatever. They're dead to me now. I'm not going to have any conversation with them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to them. They're going, to, they're going to treat me like that. Whatever. Aren't you glad that God didn't write you off? When you were his enemy. When you were his enemy. He, said, he was that shepherd that went out looking for one. He was that shepherd that humbled himself, offering, listen, offering forgiveness to others, especially, especially when they don't ask for it, and always because we don't deserve it, offering forgiveness to others might be one of the most godly things that we can do. It certainly is one of the most humbling things that we can do. And Jesus said, if you want to be great, you got to be humble. You want to be humble, you forgive someone that doesn't deserve it. You want to be great, you want to be humble, you look to restore relationships. Because that was the example that Jesus gave us. Let me, let me give you one last statement. I don't have it in the notes, but I think it's on your notes. The example of Jesus in Matthew 20, verse 25, it says, Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. Greatness is different, guys. He started out by saying it, and he ends by saying it. Guys, greatness is different. You've got to define it differently. But whosoever will be, uh, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. And here it is, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Let me, let me give you this last statement. Greatness is expressed in sacrifice, not in success. I don't even know if it's on your... Um, greatness or humility is expressed in sacrifice, not in success. It's not in, again, not how high, how humble. We want to seek to restore. We want to look to forgive. Why? Because that's what Jesus did.